Merry Thanksgiving to you. Merry almost Thanksgiving to you. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got going on? You go into one of these one of these white people enclaves you grew up or dude, so white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Plymouth Rock. No. no. <laughs> Shut up. I'm going I'm going to Bethesda, Maryland, which okay. you know, my wife grew up there and she was born in New York, but she grew up in Bethesda and Is it like uh Bohemian National and Crab Territory or like No. Oh. No. It's it's a suburb of DC where all the oh, like right, okay. And it's pretty cush. Some of it some neighborhoods are very cush and like as she has described it, it's a place where people uh, have outfits for going on, like, power walks. Oh, power walk outfits. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then they go to Starbucks after in their coordinated fleece. Yeah, tell me, um, like, explain, give me, like, a head to toe of what is a coordinated power walk outfit. Fleece, uh-huh. and then some sort of, like, similar colored sweatpants or I'm not even sure, but all like Palagonia. Yeah. Palagonia. Right, right, right. So but they they can't salmon flavor. Yeah, there's definitely some salmon. (laughs) A lot of salmon. But they can't they can't go on their like walk without the outfit. Like they don't just go out in like a hoodie and like some jeans. I've never seen you don't see anybody over like thirty in a hoodie and jeans that I can I mean, I'm so generalizing. There's some great, it's like, there's like Silver Springs, Bethesda, like they're all this one. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. They're all like right together. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know the area you're talking about. I've, I've spent some time there. I know it. It's like, it's like where you're walking around and you're like, oh, Bill Bradley is my neighbor. Okay. You know, like, like weird stuff like that. Here's the kicker is that. Uh Uh-huh. So her cousin's wife has been like the head master of this boys' private school, Ooh. and they just asked her to move on campus into the campus housing, really? which is a beautiful house. So she gets a free house. So I will not only be in like <gasps> the land of white, rich white yeah. people, but I'll be staying staying on campus no in a boys' sh- private school. <gasps> Dude, you have to find the cave where they're doing the Dead Poets Society. <laughs> you have to find Neil Perry and the boys and have a drink. Seize the day. Oh, that's so good. Wow. Seriously, be open to whatever. You know? It's it's not a boarding school, so nobody will be there, but, uh, but family. Yeah, yeah. Our family. Might be some maintenance that's, staff that's kind of fun to hang out with, though. Oh, yeah, maybe so. They've got the stories. Wow. I'm sure. All right. Well, that should be interesting. Okay, so <laughs> you're sitting down at your Thanksgiving table, and you can have four things. What do you want? Oh, easy. Easy. Stuffing, turkey, mashed potatoes. Uh-huh. I don't even need four. I'm good with no, those. No, I'm asking for four. It's the fourth. <laughs> it's the fourth non-dessert. I item. like the fake, the fake cram- cranberry. Yeah, jelly. The canned jellied yeah. cranberry. Mm, <laughs> yeah, delicious. Yeah, it's good. 
Well, that's good. Well, I hope everybody out there has a nice Thanksgiving. We don't have to do the whole. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're a lover of Dave Haas, I'm sure that um, you know that uh, you know what it's actually about. We don't have to go into the whole <laughs> thing, you know. Just you eat know, the fucking I, cranberry sauce. Enjoy your family, whatever. I do. <clears throat> I think we need to clarify. Uh oh. Because it, I realized, like, while we were talking, I knew who we were talking about, but I realized that it might not be obvious to everybody that his Thanksgiving Eve call that Dave gets is, or his texts that he's getting uh-huh. is from Fat Mike. You can figure that out by the end of the oh, conversation. Oh, yes, yes. We were a little coded, weren't we? Yes, yes, yes. So, yes, 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 at yes. the beginning of that conversation about Taylor Swift. Uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> It's Fat Mike who's texting him on Oh, that's smart of you, producer Brad, because that would have totally <laughs> gone over my head. It's true. There's a section. I thought, you know, he wasn't saying it, so I went like the Lord Voldemort. Right, right. He right. who may not be said approach. You oh, no, know? your description was so awesome. Was the punk rock Hugh Hefner. I mean, <laughs> you know, I was even thinking right after we recorded, I'm like, is that something I want to stand behind? And then I quickly was like, yes. Just yeah. simply on the fact that, like, <laughs> likes to wear silk in- and yeah. likes to host parties in his mansion. Like, you know, so it just it just adds up. Like, I think, yeah, it's a compliment, I guess, in some... Yeah, he would... I think Mike would be flattered that you called him that. It's nice to chat with Dave. I apologize in advance. I don't know if we were just kind of spitballing and catching up and... <laughs> talking about life and family and music and you know nothing too in particular true going off track so yeah covered a lot of ground really enjoyed it um Mm -hmm. always enjoy catching up with dave and one cool thing about doing these is like you know sometimes get lost in music wormholes so it's been a while since i've just perused dave's catalog you know for for the last (laughs) couple of days and gone record to record and really checked it out and like you know it's like really every record is really varied and has a batch of songs that like i i can understand why it speaks to so many people you know like universal stuff and then like you know he's given me i forgot to bring it up in the interview there's What's every that? once in a while he's giving me like a Brian Adams thing. Whoa. And you know me, I love a Brian Adams. You know, you know what I mean? One night that's love. Funny. Affair? I don't come on. I can totally hear that. Yeah. So it's like, I, you know, sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm in the 80s a little bit. And then like all of a sudden I'm kind of in like an Irish folk like rhythm and stuff. So I like he's like doing a lot of different things. Still really good. And still one of the great performers. Like you said, we <coughs> excuse me we were at that festival together four chords and you know i thought it was like telling that you know even three four in the afternoon when dave was playing you know the entirety of alkaline trio the entire gaslight anthem you know the interrupters like like almost every artist who was there was like sitting side stage and watched almost dave's entire set you know it's like one of yeah. the well he's got a lot of a lot of respect you know, yeah. going on yeah. out there. And uh I don't know. So I'm excited to hear all these new um these new these new rogue tracks that are coming out despite oh, yeah. you know when it's uh 
what it's going to do. And I always enjoy Dave's uh, take on life and now fatherhood and being a West Coaster. You now he's lost his Philly edge. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But let's get into it. This is a quite a long interview, so Play the train. Love you, Dave. This was fun. This was going to be my line of questioning later, but I'll I'll bring it up now. (laughs) I was thinking about how well you're aging. You are. You look. You look fantastic. I appreciate that. You're like one of those people that's just like. I'm like, ah, I'm looking forward to watching Dave age well. And I was going to bring it up later because I thought like you kind of have the perfect physique for a long rock and roll run. You know how like, (laughs) you know, sometimes I'm talking like even sports wise here, you know, like, you know, like sometimes you see like a a left-handed pitcher out there. He's like six, five. lean. You're like, that's what a pitcher should look like. And he's got this little short delivery and you're like, you know what? That's the kind of delivery that gets you 20 years in the pros. You know, nice, compact, not mm-hmm. wasting a lot of motion out there, you know? And right. I kind of right. see you in the same way. I see you as like just a tough, compact thing that's going to age well out there, you know? <laughs> I'm built like a little old Italian mason. <laughs> you know, my back is strong. Just meant to stay low. <laughs> it, that's right. You know, it's it's tough when you're young because the tall, the tall yeah. humans are just so... I'm so taken with them. We all are mm-hmm. as humans. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, you know, and then you watch us its... all just fold over and die with age. Like it's kind of true. I, yeah. I don't envy the tall now, given how brutal gravity is, you know, it's, it's the worst. It's, uh, it's unkind. I appreciate that. That's so nice because I feel as though I'm fading into a, into like a gray husk of a human. <laughs> Um, often Wait, when I look in the mirror. As in like a corn husk? Yeah, like the way a husk, it, it, you know, a piece of corn were to just blow away if it's too deep into the season. Right. Um, so so when you say these kind things, in fact, when we recently saw one another, there were a lot of like real kind compliments mm-hmm. from all of you Gaslight Anthem members. And I, it just, it was so nice. It was such a wonderful day <clears throat> to be together. Um, it was so nice. that makes me feel good. Thank you. Watch the I, whole gig. You did, yeah. I know. I saw you over there with with Danny Andriano and Skiba, and a lot of respect. Yeah, a lot of respect uh, at that show. That was fun. Yeah, I I felt good, and 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 um, 
I, it was mostly that I just felt like we are part of a tribe. I mean, the older I get mm. and, um, yeah, it's true. It, it's, it's hard to relate doing this kind of work. Um, and so that day in particular was, there were so many friends on the and for bill. context that day, what was it called again? The festival? It was called, oh. It was in the uh, the minor Four league chord. baseball stadium. Four Chord Festival. Four Chord Festival, yeah, with Alkaline Trio, Streetlight Manifesto, Dave and the Mermaid, Gaslight. Interrupters, Interrupters, face to face. Yeah, fun day. And then we got to hang out in kind of like the back locker room of a minor mm-hmm. league baseball team. It felt very like. I just imagined I was like Tim Robbins and Bill Durham all day. You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. Bull Durham, not Bull Bill. Durham. Yeah. Oh, oh, that that was an accident if I said something else. <laughs> what did Bill I say? Durham. Bill Durham? Uh, Bill Durham Bill, insurance salesman? <laughs> I think Bill Durham booked those shows back at uh, Beaver College. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Will it was, Durham. Yeah, it's all it was one of my life. favorite days this year. Yeah, um, it was great. Mostly just, again, because I felt it's weird. My band is about 10 years younger on average than I am. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, I live in California, which is far from what I can perceive of as home. Mm. And then when I go home to Philly, everyone's got, you know, lives that are different from mine. And so for that day, it just felt like, oh, look at all, like, I these are the freaky people that I've been working <laughs> with over the years at different times that I feel almost the most at home with. It was like being with my sisters. Right. Where there's a frame of reference that goes way back. We all do a peculiar job. Um, none of us exactly know how it's all going to work out. It's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it just felt comforting. You know, it was like, oh man, there's, there's a couple thousand people here that are excited about all the work that we do. And I just walked away from that show with a lot of gratitude and, and, you know, Part of it too is um, that we're all alive. There's a lot of bad habits and risky behavior over the years that very easily could have put any of us uh, in the grave or in jail. Yeah, it's like like some version of like our own VFW, you know, we're all here, like, like good for us, like. Let's let's regale in story, you know. Yeah, I said that to Brian a couple times, like, like kind of overly sappy because you know he squirms if you tell him you love him or anything that's like uh and i i remember like hugging him at the end and being like we're still here man like we're we're all okay at least for now and he was like yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) but but i think he appreciated it because we you know we texted later about it too we were like man that was really fun yeah you know what i wonder i wonder if like you know when we were in our I don't know. All these bands we're talking about and stuff had, I guess, you know, separate uh, ascendancy at a different time and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I wonder, and, you know, you're in your 20s, early 30s, and there's still that kind of like, I don't know, there's a lot of competitive edge to stuff, even if you don't want to have it, right? Like it's still there. And there's this like, what are those guys doing? Are they doing better than us? Are we doing worse than them? You know, right. and there's kind of this weird barometer you hold other people to. And I wonder if like, you know, this collection of people now, it's like, it's so much easier to let go because everybody you've seen there has just cemented their own paths so uniquely. 
you know their ups, you know their downs, you know that every single one of them has had their own shit. And it's like, yeah, like, cool. I think that's a good point. And I think that part of what I felt that day was nobody was looking to trade with anybody. In other words, everyone kind of was where they, where they wanted to be on the bill in -hmm. terms of their artistic output and their, you know, their ambition, you know, like on some level, I know how much Brian, and, and I guess by proxy, you guys wanted it and you got it. You were the headliner that day. Mm. And, you know, I know Alkaline Trio wanted it and they played right before you. Got, you know what I mean? Like everyone was sort of where they should be. And then I had this strange earlier set, but I was playing a, a very different version of what the game was that we started out playing, you know, like I'm not in, you know, I have a solo career and I have this band that I bring out some of the time. And and so you join the expansion franchise. (laughs) I just think everyone kind of took a path and was happy with how it shook out despite any disappointments over the years or, or challenges. Everyone felt good, at least for that day. I mean, I don't know. Of course we got carried away pretty quick. We're in, (laughs) But, you know, Brian was like, we got to take this whole tour on the road and this fall, and, uh, you know, and I got carried away with him. I was like, let's yeah. play this game for a couple hours and pretend this is a possibility because it could be. You never know. It's real enough. Um, I mean, sometimes the seed is all it takes. So, yeah. And so I, I think, um, I think it was, it was just, it was lovely. And my band who's one step removed from all that, you know, they're fans of all those bands, but, but don't know all of you guys other than Tim, um, right. they were all like, wow, that was a really sweet day. So it was, it was great. I mean, it, 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 again, I, I just felt like, oh, I have a home away from home and that always feels good. I think the older I get. I mean, how long do you have to be in California until it feels like home? Are you just like forever, uh, like the Philly guy, wherever you go? Like, is that just, <laughs> That's a good question because, um, I mean, now that I have kids and my kids are in school, you know, they're, they're in transitional kindergarten, which is, um, you know, California's way of helping working people, um, not have to pay for daycare for an extra year. So it's it's part of the, it's pre-K. Yeah. But it's at the elementary school. So they're in with the big kids and all that. Um, is it free in California? It's free. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. We were spending cool. so much money per month prior to that to keep the boys in, in a daycare sure. so that we could both work. But, um, so this has been a real blessing, but, um, I think I've embraced the idea that just home is wherever my, my immediate family is. Um, and I think when you have kids, that's kind of like wherever they are, feels like home. And the, and the rough thing is I'm often away from them as, as you know, and as you sure. live, so I think that's the short answer is like, I feel at home with those three people, my wife and my two kids. Right. Um, and instead of feeling lonesome, I try to reframe it as like, well, I have all these other little pockets of home that I can go get, you know, for, for mm. a brief time. I can go out to Philly and spend some sure, time. Sure. That's kind of why we build up our, you know. Wh- but what do you feel on festival. the inside? Like, <laughs> like, well, I say, is, let's say, for example, like my sister lived in Seattle for, for quite a many years, you know, and mm-hmm. even though it's a great city and just offered all this stuff, there was still, she could never kick this, like this feeling of being a little bit of an outsider there, you know, like, like 
you didn't grow up there. Things are a little different. The things you like are a little yeah. different. Like, do you think you're ever going to, you know, turn into full on California Diamond Dave or like, no, no, I, I don't think so. This like semi longing for not longing, but just understanding that, that you're fundamentally different or something. It's, it's definitely long. I think that's a state of being I've always been, um, hmm. I've always had in my life, you know, I'm at a Christian school, but I'm agnostic or atheist and fighting the power or, or, you know, I'm in punk bands as a young kid, but listening to very much not punk music and, and trying to figure out how to push the boundary of that genre in any way I can't, you know, it's, I've always felt like an outsider. Um, yeah. I felt like an outsider in my nuclear family. I come from sure. And, um, I think until my mom died and, and, that was such a severe thing that knit me and my siblings together in a, mm. in a sort of inextricable way right. that that feels the most like home, I think. Um, but I'm always, I think that's a state of being for me is, is, is kind of longing and not being quite sure what yeah. home is. And there's some comfort in that understanding, right? Like, like I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I empathize with that. Just the feeling that like, you know, it's like the, um, the metaphor, like if you, if you live in a place and you're constant, like you're six roommates deep and you're constantly complaining about the dishes, like it's probably you, <laughs> you know, right. like something yep. like that. And like, That's there right. is some comfort, right. In knowing like you can put me anywhere and I'm going to do this to myself. It's That's not right. anybody else. And like, and even though it's not a great feeling, it is a little liberating knowing like, it's your own fault, right? <laughs> well, it's your own fault and it's also your opportunity to use the powers you do have. I mean, you're you're right. a gregarious guy, for instance. You're a guy who can strike up conversation, you're intelligent and and likable, you have a great sense of humor and but you know, all on an some act, level, you know? Well, sure, <laughs> but same here, you know, and I think I I recently interfaced with this yet again, you know, for the thousandth time or 15,000th time in my life. Uh as my kids were going into this new school and I had to, you know, I went to the parent gathering or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. like get everybody together one evening and I just was dreading it. And I was like, oh, are, you know, are those ladies in a clique? And what about this guy? You know, I was- What do I wear to this? What do, exactly. Yeah. And I was squirming. And it took a couple days. And, I, you know, I was crowing about it to Natasha. And she kind of looked at me with that look that she often gets where she's like, you're completely out of your mind. <laughs> and a couple days in, I, I started to go, or maybe it's a couple weeks in, I started to volunteer to be part of the kids' Um, STEM class. I went on a field trip or two and realized like, oh, I have the power to kind of shine my light here. Right. And uh -huh. if these people are a click, I can infiltrate the click. Yeah. Right. And I can maybe do some good and I can, um, you know, show them the value of my own offering and and show them how I parent and and be sure. interested in their kid and and it was interesting once I flipped that and was actually an adult about it yeah yeah um how quickly it felt comfortable where I was like hey this kid's named Jose and this kid's named um um Joseph or whatever you know and and I got to meet them and then I'm I'm interfacing with those kids in the morning sure, and their sure. parents are going oh this 
this guy knows my kid and oh, cares about my fella. kid. Yeah, yeah. And now I've got this little this crew of people that I feel a little bit more comfortable with. Back up one minute because I want to get like to the like you know you like you said you've 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 been a work in progress for a long time and you've you've done a lot of work on like yourself and your situation. So mm-hmm. when you're starting to feel that spin, right, and Natasha gives you that look, yeah. Like, what is the tool you use in your pocket? What's the the things you tell yourself? Like, what? Oh, I have a, a pocket full of of Lexapro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the trick. And that, well, I mean, there it's a very small dose, so no, I can't really count on that. Um, <laughs> I I think it's breathing. You know, learning to try right. to regulate. Okay. I, I think trying to model emotional regulation to my kids. Um, has helped, you know, when I see my kids in distress or frustrated, um, my natural bent is to meet that frustration with more frustration. Come on, you know, you know, like I get amped up. It's kind of, I'm reactive. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, there's a bunch of tools, but I think the most useful one for me is to try to picture what I thought a 45 year old man would, would be. And and a forty five year old version of myself would be when I was a kid. What like what what you think it should be? Yeah, like yeah. what what a respectable right like, like a forty five year old man you respect. What right. does that person act like? Because like even in the rock and roll world, we do actually have a few instances of that. You know, like we have dignified elders. Sure. Um, so not just, I mean, and not that rock and roll is the end all be all, but like, I think there's plenty of instances that you can find where there, there are steady, emotionally regulated people that you look up to. And that's what I'm attempting to be, especially for my kids. Mm, and so yeah. that's kind of an intercept I try to use. And I think part of the beat that I can take is given from the Lexapro. Like I get another little second. Just to go, am I going to explode right, here or right, am I right, just right. going to grab sl- a towel? It slows it all. It like slows the spin down a little. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's I tough see. though. I've asked that very question you you ask to my therapist where yeah, I was getting frustrated with the whole therapy practice because I just went and talked about all these mistakes. I said, in the moment, in the moment, what do I actually do? You know, which is what you're asking. Right. And I think that's really hard. I mean, it's it's trying to train yourself to take a, a little breath and think about what your next move is, what your next, the next thing that's going to come out of your mouth is going to be. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so it's just, it, yeah, it's interesting. I think just in those moments, it's so hard. You get blinded, right, in those moments. And that's where yeah. I think the tools are so important. If you can catch that moment and you know you're there, if you can functionally tell yourself this is something I can do right now, then you know maybe well, it'll bring me back down to earth. I think that's a good you're way right. to, to create spin outs, you know. Right, but but rather than give myself any credit here, I'm going to just point out that that moment you're describing was like a week long. <laughs> it was me taking the kids into school and being like, "Yeah, that lady didn't say hi," uh-huh. and. Um, you know, I walked out with Natasha from another gathering and I was like, those four moms, are they, did they even say hi to you? And she was like, what are you talking about? I don't know them. (laughs) 
And I was like, well, they're probably just this little California clique. And she's like, what don't, if I was standing there talking to my friends that I knew, I wouldn't stop to speak to someone I didn't know. Yeah. Uh I just wouldn't even notice. I'd be in, and I said, yeah, right. You know, so this was a couple, like a week or two of me thinking, ah, we're back at it. You know, here we are, we're socializing our kids in in a traditional school system. And uh, I hate this Yeah. until I kind of thought, wait a minute, maybe I can just make my own little offering here of positivity as best I can. And, uh, and and give more than I take. Sure, sure. It's it's strange. It's like even when you talked about it in the festival context, and I mean, just I heard about something recently, like these personality traits called the dark triad. When, <laughs> when I believe it's um, it's what we should have called the it, loved it's ones. Three <laughs> traits. It's like narcissism, Machiavellianism, yep. and psychopathy. It's like these Oof. three. You know, and I tested quite low. For psychopathy and narcissism. I decided okay. to take this test, by the way. Just You fun. did? I did. Whoa. I tested quite low on those two. I'm safe as a narcissist or a psychopath. But Machiavellianism, I was a little higher than average. You know, not like crazy where like... Wow. You know, and, you know, I'm thinking about it and I'm looking at some of the traits. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Like some of the things they're talking about were a defense... Of being poor. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I started to look situationally at everything as how can I make my way in this? Because I got to fucking make my way somewhere. And yes, maybe does this person help me get there? Sure, I'll say hi to him. I don't know. Like, I did develop that characteristic at some point. And I think it was defensive. And it was there. Mm -hmm. But like, it fucking helped me a lot. You know what I mean? Because like that part of whatever working was happening actually in some ways like paid more dividends than even being a musician for me for quite a while. Now, I bring that up because in relation to school, I wonder, So I'm like, I'm like, do these parents who are out here just playing the game, <laughs> are they, is that how you help your kids? Because now all of a sudden like you have standing, you have the first call, you have the invite. And all these things are this is it, it is this awful like sometimes Illuminati umbrella going on, but like if I just stay in this personal light, right? Which like I'm here, I'm doing my thing, my energy's good, mm-hmm. you know. Like they're just gonna be like, yeah, that's that guy's kind of weird, you know. Like he's cool, whatever. But they'll just look past us and not help our kids. Well, I think that's a really, that's a fascinating and Machiavellian way of thinking about the school system. I told told you the dark triad. I'm only one third. I'm only one third. Yeah. Oh my, I am never taking that test. I'd rather just. No, I'm not going to do it. I'd rather pack up records uh, for a couple hours than than have to face the music of what I might actually be. The test itself, honestly, I took it in about five minutes. It could have taken me three weeks. Because, right. you know, some of the things they're asking take yeah. a serious amount of like self-awareness and reflection that like, right. I don't even think we're capable of answering, honestly. You know? Yeah, but, right. I wonder how you would rate had your wife taken that test in your stead. I had to take it. Oh, you <laughs> no, mean I like mean as you. me? Oh, <laughs> oh, that's kind of an interesting. No, we can't. We can't. No, you can't. That's you bad. can't. That's of course bad. not. No. What if Natasha was listening to this? She'd just be shaking her head like, no. 
Do <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think she'd like to take the my test for the dark triad, and if, it, you know, so that's what I'm saying. If you take old <laughs> old Philadelphia Dave and bring him to the elementary school, let him spit some fire. Boom, boom, right. pop, pop. It's interesting you bring this up. I think my thought on it is this: like, it, I think part of this is we both view the world with a little bit of this. Really? Is this what we came up with so far? <laughs> you know, I think both of us share that. Yes. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, this, this is, is this is democracy, or yeah. this is America, or this is the rock and roll business, or oh my god. <laughs> yes. And I think that that prompts a lot of critique, and then it prompts this urge towards doing it better, right? Mm. But unfortunately now, you know, we're, we're not that far from 50 years old and we know the world we live in and it's heartbreaking. And there's a lot of it that's so broken and, and so brutal. It's just not the way we wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think on some level, do whatever you can for your kids to get what they need uh, in order to be like functioning adults like that. That's, that's a major goal, but then also try to infuse as much of what you think the world should look like into them. Um, despite knowing that, that ultimately it's not going to look that way, (laughs) you know? And, and I think like holding all those really competitive ideas in mind at once is a challenge. You know, it's, am I, in other words, am I shining my light at the school in a Machiavellian way? No. I mean, I've got really cute little twin identical boys with glasses on. Yeah. You know, like, so you're just, they're good. They're going to be fine. Great branding couple, right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the, there's, there's teachers that are just yeah. exuding nepotism towards them. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you sure. know, Oh, those two are my favorite. And I'm like, Hey, you're not supposed to say that. Wait, do they, yeah. they don't, they match clothes. No, 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 okay. no, um, no, faux oh, pas. Okay, faux pas. Um, All right. but, uh, but, but, you know, so they're going to be fine. It's what I'm trying to get imparted to them is, um, you know, when the darkness comes, when the dark triads knocking at the door and, and the brutality of the world, like, sure. are you prepared? And that's a reason why I often think about moving back to Philly, because I don't think <clears throat> the lifestyle we lead here is 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 representative of the human experience. Yeah, right, 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 right. It's really posh and and, and really nice. I mean, it's 68 degrees all year long. Yeah. And people are able to have extremely left-leaning views because they're never tested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like uh, I'm sure you believe all that stuff cuz it's yeah. easy. Look how here. easy it is to believe all that. Right, right. And I think, uh, you know, I have all those views too, but I think they're tempered with a real world understanding of... of, Yeah, they come from a bit of a different place for sure. Yeah. Yeah, mine are part of like a, um, you know, mine are hard fought, I guess, in terms of of, uh, uh, knowing the alternative or something. I I don't know. But but all that's to say, um, I think about a lot of this stuff too. And I think this is why you and I have always been able to click um, because we're, we're, we're both ruminating about all this shit all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you know, when what you're saying too is funny because I was just thinking about this with, 
you know, my my boy is in in second grade now. He's a super mm-hmm. sweet kid, and you start to see these, you know, minor peer group kind of things already starting to creep up. Oh yeah, little boys being little boys, saying the kind of shit they say. You know what I mean? Like these little things mm-hmm. getting tossed around. Yeah, and I immediately, you know, go to this. Like you said, you know, I'm not, I I do think kids are who they are and there's only so much you can change and it's just got to be modeling and, you know, how to deal with it in the right way. But, you know, in the same context of your, your kids in California, I'm like, how much do I like teach them to fight back, teach them to have the sharp tongue, teach them the things that like, you know, like kind of helped me get through these situations. And even though it didn't come from a place of confidence, it, it, it was a tool. I got through, you know, I knew how to deal with fucking piece of shit kids because of overexposure to piece of shit kids. Not not because yeah. I was good at it or something. Um, And I'm like, how much, like, do I just try to, you know, like, like, yes, it's 68 there every day and people have an easy time believing wonderful things. Maybe just keep it, dude. You know what I mean? Well, that's like, that's like, often that's often know. what Tim says. Tim's like, "Hey, just go with what's good." I mean, I mean it's, yeah, it's a hard world know, out there. Like that's but, what I'm saying. And they're gonna like like maybe there's a different way to um to expose them to to the things like that through like uh, you know just an emp- empathy and understanding of other people's uh, yeah. situations and thought that that could lead to that instead of just like yo, you got to come up a little bit harder than you are right now or else the world's going to eat you alive. I feel like that's us getting sucked into maybe some old world kind of shit, you know? Yeah, I think that's very, I think you're you're correct. And I also think it's really slippery for me because um, I, I just, I don't, ultimately the way I see the world is the glass is, is half empty and I just happen to have my thumb in it. <laughs> You know, and, and, and that kind of pushes it just over the line. And so it's, it's half full. And, and so, you know, talk about Machiavellian, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm trying to impact the world in a positive way. And, and, um, so you're saying you live at 51%. The, uh, yeah. 50.5 probably. <laughs> I don't think it's 51. That would be, that would be sunshiny. Um, and, but it's so funny because part, uh, there's a lyric somewhere in my lyric file that has something to do with the idea. Like, well, if you can't find peace in California, then maybe it's you, you know? And, <laughs> and I think that's really true. I think like you, you take your th- stuff wherever you go. And, um, and part of my job now is to not impart that stuff onto my little boys, sure, you know, sure. to, to, you know, there is stuff that comes up though. You know, there was, there was a point where one of them got pushed down uh-huh. and, uh, you know, Natasha, of course, is a therapist and, and a really, you know, just a lovely person. And she gave them a little talking to about, okay, well, what you'll do is go talk to the teacher. And once she got out of earshot, I said, look, there's two of you. If you see your brother get pushed down, <laughs> you push that kid down back and you get your brother up and nobody touches your brother. Uh-huh. And they looked at me like, really? I said, yeah, there's two of you. That's yeah. your that's your advantage. You're small, but no one should push your brother down. And I and they t- the three of us turned and looked at the door 
Uh-huh. And Natasha was standing in the door going, <laughs> with that what the fuck look. <laughs> and we talked about it later. She was like, hey, what what is that? What the fuck is that, man? I, yeah. I, you know, and I said, look, you can give me all the studies you want, but nobody should push your brother down. I'm just not going to back down on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, she gave me that look like I was crazy and and... And that was that. There's going to be some of that, you know. Has, like, has the has this played out in a real world application since this conversation yet? I'm curious. No, no, because okay. they don't they don't get into many skirmishes, you know. <laughs> sure, they're, sure. They're, I don't think they've been pushed down since. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But you know, it's more. I think the more healthy thing is like, hey, look out for your brother. And make sure he's okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, don't worry about that kid and really don't worry about telling the teacher, like who gives a shit about either of those things. <laughs> Make sure your brother's okay. But I was more like, no, no, push that kid down. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, it's an insane thing to tell your son. It's not cool. And so when you're part of the overall problem, it, it definitely can be a wake up call. You're like, oh, shit, I think I blew it. Yeah. But, well, I mean, but it's, listen, as a parent, I, and I'm sure Brad can attest to this too. You know, it's just like it brings up another level of shit in your brain and heart that you didn't yeah. know was there. It takes like a whole new reevaluation, you know, like. Right. Like my son just started playing like sports against other people, you oh, know. Right. And like I noticed like I'm in like the third game or practice or something and I hear myself just like, oh, get on. I'm like, no, <laughs> shut the fuck up. What are you doing? I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is six through eight fall ball. Okay. Uh, right, like, right, right. start like at a different place here. Like, like, yeah. you know, and you just feel these like weird, um, you know, uh, just primordial primal, things. Yeah. Yeah. Just, primal like, urges. In you, yeah. yeah. Where you're like, you see, you know, like I see my son like swinging a baseball and I feel like my body jumping at it, you know, yeah. like jumping at the ball. It's like, it's such a bizarre new yeah. thing to have to kind of come to an understanding of, you know? It's weird, man. I mean, I think, I, I think that ultimately we're doing better. We're moving the ball, yeah. so to speak, further downfield than our parents did. And that's the that's hope, it. right? Well, I mean, that's um, what they say. My, my wife talks about it all the time is like the, the hardest thing to do is to like, you know, break patterns, you know? And if you, if you really are self-aware enough in your life to like, not only pinpoint something that was not done well to you, Mm-hmm. But to then turn around and forgive the person who did it. Right. And then use that lesson to change the pattern for the next generation. Like that should be viewed at right there as a victory. Like it should. A huge yeah. success. Cause that's like, yep. you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, what can I do, you know, to like affect the world and what, you know, well, that's a good start. Sometimes. It's a great start. You know? Yeah. I mean, and the funny thing, the ironic thing is a lot of those wounds or difficulties or, or whatever are what put you up onto the stage you're on for That's your right. job. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's funny to be like, well, if I don't get this right, at least I'll have a, a, a decent career in, 
in the arts. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> At least I don't these know. Many thousands of people will know every intimate secret about my life. Yeah, cool. yeah, that's real comfortable. Yeah, right. That's exactly. great. Yeah, it's funny, man. It's so I was just thinking about imagine you're you, you went to the London Gaslight Anthem Dave Ha show. Yeah. Um, in in 2012 or whatever it was. Yeah. And I had a bottle of wine and a leather jacket on and you came out and ripped 45 or May or whatever. And, and you're like, ah, I, I bought in that night on these two on there. That was the first show you saw. Right. And you followed us now 10 years in and here we are. We haven't talked about anything no. <laughs> even remotely related to that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> and those guys are completely gone. I, mean, I wouldn't say completely no, gone, but they're more. They're not gone. Well, they're, they're, they're certainly not at the forefront of either of our minds. It's, it's, it's interesting. It, it's kind of funny, but I think in that realm, we just, I like to push forward and, and I think grow it's funny. And, you actually, I think it's funny. You went to 2012 and not like 2007. Cause that well, I don't remember 2007. <laughs> I don't remember that. 2012 that Dave was kind of on some version of this path you're on now. 2007 Dave was not. That guy yeah, was, was falling asleep in parking lots and stuff. Yeah, know? I was crawling out of a ditch, I yeah. suppose. So yeah, if you told me then, a, yeah. mm-hmm. like if you woke up one morning <laughs> on that first tour and you're like, listen, Denny, you know what I'm going to do one day? I'm going to get myself a wife who's a psychologist. I'm going to be sober. I'm going to live in California. I'm going to have twin boys who look right. like the fucking Jerry Maguire kid. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, right. all right, dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I dude. doubt it. Yeah. Try cool. to get through 2007 for first. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, true. Let's let's see how tonight goes in Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, you know. good. Yeah. <laughs> so, good call. So I think, uh, I do think it's funny you went to 2012 because that dude was like, that dude's like solo. He's working right. on himself by then, you know? Yeah, I was making a couple bucks by then at yeah, least. Yeah, right? and, and yeah. And a little more self-aware, I'd say. About right. The it's funny. I think of that night often because I think I had three minutes to go on stage uh-huh. in front of an enormous crowd. And you and I are in my dressing room. Yeah. And I maybe had my pants on and a half a shirt. And you're like, hey, are, you know you're going on stage. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I know. And you were like, you don't do anything to to prepare? And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to go up there and rip it. In fact, the, if I can get up there with like 10 seconds to go, I'll be in the yeah. best shape to deliver the show. Uh-huh. And you looked at me like, all right, I got to think this through. And I think the next day you were like, I figured it out. You're pinned on anxiety. And the best way you can you can manage that anxiety is to completely avoid it. And like you really, you psychologically profiled me. It took you about 20 hours or something. <laughs> you know, the next day you were like, I got it. I know why oh. you're doing this. Oh, and that I was sounds like, terrible. Why did I do that to you? I was like, Ugh. you're right, Ben, you're right. That is what it is. Cause you, you were puzzled by it. And I was like, look, I got no answer. I don't See, know why this I'm though is this a way. story, even though maybe it was helpful. And now you look at it kindly it's also why sometimes I look at myself and go, bro, you're a little bit of a drag. No, 
<laughs> not at all. You know, like not who, at all. who wants that the day after when you're on tour? You know, why? No, no, oh, no. I did. I guy, did. You know? I loved yeah. it. No, no, no. I thought it was really <laughs> insightful. And I was like, hey, this guy actually cares about what's going on. You know, like, like you were, you were perplexed and then gave it some thought. And you were like, I think it's this. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And, and I mean, uh, even more perplexing though is the backpack filled with loose mixed cash currencies. <laughs> That's what bummed me out even more. We're at well, the end yeah. of the tour. I'm like, look, if you counted that goddamn backpack, I'm pretty sure you made money on this tour. You know? Yes. But, yes. But I'm like, get some rubber bands, dude. Like, yeah, that was <laughs> well. Those were remnants of that t- 2007 guy. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Who was flirting with full-on disaster and full-on self-destruction right. and let's let's get back on track a little speaking of 2007 you okay yeah what's going on i never got an email from alex so oh you didn't i did oh okay so my frame of reference as to what's going on with the loved ones and taylor swifting your albums uh <laughs> i need to, <laughs> you just got to fill me in like so fill me in as if i've never heard what's going on well, there's probably two stories to this. One okay. is the one I would tell you on the phone, and yes. one is the one I'll tell you in a public uh, um, podcast. Understood. And we might be able to delve a little bit into to both. But we'll scratch. Oh, so I made a tweet a couple of years ago when Taylor Swift decided to to re-record her albums and said, "Oh, who who knew Taylor Swift was the punkest modern performer?" Yeah, that was pretty um, badass. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. And someone from USA Today reached out to me. Oh. Really? And said, Hey, would you mind elaborating on this in a thousand word story? No shit. Yeah, I can't re- I think it was like it might have been 2021 or so. I don't know. But anyway. Um a periodical of note. Yes. <laughs> so I said, I guess I could. Yeah, I'll give it a whirl. And it was right around this time of year. Okay. And I was traveling, and so I quickly put something together and edited it and thought, wow, this is fine. I don't know. And ultimately just tried to draw the parallel between, you know, what about it makes, what about that action is punk? And, you know, the frame was, well, she's sticking her finger in the eye of the man. Like somebody came along and tried to take her intellectual property and sell it. And she said, oh, no, um, I control my destiny. And what's more punk than that? Mm-hmm. Um, little did I know that that ethos is not what people think of when they hear punk rock anymore. They think of a style of music or whatever. And, right, right. Um, so mm-hmm. that whole explanation was a little bit lost. But ultimately, I made my point. And, and as I did, I sort of said, look, I was on, the, on a label with my first punk band where they own the master forever. Right. And I was, I was simply trying to say like, even when you're dealing with quote unquote punk people, right. They're playing the same game. Still the business context. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I said, Hey mate, and I sort of ended the, the, the little screed with, uh, maybe I'll get to re re recording my old works. Okay. Um, given that I don't have my intellectual property. Of course. Um, and so I didn't think much of it, but certain people did. And and certain people read it and thought, oh, wow, this is really interesting. Certain people had negative 
responses to it. You should be so lucky to have been on a label and all this other jazz. You know, there was a little bit of controversy around it. And, mm -hmm. and as I, uh, as I went, I think we had a European tour get, get moved given like a variant or something. Wait, what is and, this quote? You're so lucky to have been on a label. Yeah. You should be, you should be so lucky to have been signed to a label that would invest in you and, and put out. I see you. Your work was, was, I saw some of that clamoring around. I mean, I try not to read a, a ton of that kind of stuff right. because it's none of it's, it's just everybody's opinion. Mm -hmm. But, um, there was some blowback from people who we were in business with yeah. and, uh, that sort of had a little bit of that same vibe where it was, Hey, you know, how dare you bite the hand that feeds? And I was wow. like, I thought you, you think you're proving my point here. That's crazy. <laughs> I, th I thought you were the punks. And I thought this whole thing was predicated on doing what you want and sticking it to the man. And anyway, um, we had a, a European tour get moved and we suddenly had a hole in our schedule. And um, we were hot to try it. We had been recording a lot, writing a lot. And we, this is like the mermaid. This is no, this is me and Tim. Okay. This is me and Tim and our producer, Will Hogue, who we've yes. worked with for yeah. a bunch of records. So we just flew to Nashville and cut all of the loved ones' material as if um, Will had never heard any of that stuff, which wow. he hadn't. He, he had heard maybe, you know, the top three or four songs or whatever. And all of it. A, We're talking all of it. All of it. All the songs, wow. 30 uh -huh. some songs. And then decided. As we went to some of it, we, most of it, we landed, I would say 27 of the songs in that session, wow. we got the basic tracks for, That's intense. and then we added all kinds of instruments over the, over the course of the last year, years, because we then put out drive it like it's stolen. Like then we kind right, of moved right. into a whole new studio record sure. and, and, uh, and had this stuff on the back burner. And as it's, as it's developed, I sort of, I thought about the whole, all the material differently. I just was trying to approach it like, okay, these are songs of struggle. These are songs kind of of, of comfort. And these are songs of loss, you know, like I, I could kind of recontextualize all the material um, from that time, just as a songwriter, instead of like as a band person or as mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, I didn't, I don't look at the material as that different between the two records because they were only a couple of years apart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to, to bring it into the light and, and we put a few things up on Spotify, you know, just to keep people interested and, you know, singles or whatever you want to call it. And then group the songs together by theme. And we just put the first one onto vinyl it's called verses. Okay. And so it's like songs of like kind of struggle, conflict, you know, um, some political stuff that I touched on in those years lyrically and, you know, struggle with me. What are the three forms of, of struggle in, in literary, literary, uh, um, circles. I forget. It's like man against man against nature, man. I don't know. Anyway, these are songs of struggle and, and we put it out just to our fans. I didn't want to like, um, promote it on social media or do any, like I'm, that stuff is so tiresome. I didn't want to like have to do a big sale. I just went right to our fans that are on our newsletter and we sold the entire pressing out in, in a day, Wow, which was spectacular. 
um, and really heartening. And, and, and these are not, these do not sound like the original versions at all. Um, and so that's been kind of what we've been up to trying to, because we have the label and because, um, we can kind of do whatever we want. We've been trying to take as much advantage of that as we can and, and not do things in the traditional way. It does feel like the rule book on some level has been thrown out. And so How's I've kind of, how looked, do you mean by that? Well, you just don't have to do it a specific way, you know, like, I mean, you can, if you're not worried about some of the trappings of the music industry, i.e., well, did you chart or are you going to be in contention for a Grammy or, you know, it's, I don't, I mean, how much do you guys even care about that? You actually have a shot at a lot of that stuff given the size of your enterprise. But I mean, I talked to Brian about this. I was like, well, are you are you guys looking at billboard and like, are you going to, and he was like, I don't know. No, I'm not. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. We, we, we have freedom of that mm-hmm. or from that. And so if you look at it from that lens, from that perspective, you can kind of do whatever you want and whatever you think is cool. Right. And one thing I thought was cool is like, imagine if I got, imagine if I was on the email list for Billy Bragg or Joe Strummer or something. And all of a sudden I got an email where, he said, Hey, I re-recorded all these clash songs acoustically and and with horns and with, you know, just whatever. Like I, I just went in and had some fun with old songs that I wrote a million years yeah. ago. And I'm not putting these up, you know, these aren't going to Sam Goody or or or, or <laughs> that, that's a thing. Or, or whatever. Like, well, I'm just trying to contextualize. We're not going the wall like, music. We're not right. <laughs> we're simply giving you the the only bite at this. Right. You right the people who signed up to the mailing list who actually read it and pay attention and, and are really invested in what we do artistically. You sure you want to pass on the end cap at coconuts? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. The listening station at coconuts. It's All right. A big break. So, you know, I just, I thought that that was cool. If I got an email like that from somebody that I was, whose music I was into, I'd be thrilled. I'd buy that vinyl and bring it home and, and sort of, consider it and judge whether I like the old versions or the new versions more or right. just let it hit me emotionally. So you're releasing and, it as just Dave Haas. Yeah. It's, it's okay. just Tim and I and, and various, various players. I mean, members of the mermaid have played on it. Um, any former loved ones? Involved? Uh, no, no, okay. because, and the thought is we did that. Like we made those albums and, mm. and, um, you know, and also the cumbersome nature of of getting any loved ones to do anything, um, given that everybody just has jobs and lives and we live in different cities. And, you know, I always enjoy playing with them and seeing them, um, but it is really tough to get everybody in the sure, same room. Sure. Um, I think Spider's in Pasadena and Uncle's up in, in, in uh, yeah. Massachusetts, Chris is in Jersey and Mike's now in North Carolina. So we are all over the map. And so what's Mike doing in North Carolina? Fixing hot rods? No, no. He's, he's a music manager. Uh-huh. He, he manages, uh, he works for another music or no, what are they called? Another management company. Oh, okay. and they oh, do yeah. Like yeah. Kurt Vile and, and, um, you know, you know I love me a, a hot rod. Oh, I love him too. So based on what how we opened this conversation, mm-hmm. has has the wind sailed to the uh to the ears of the, the 
you Hefner of punk rock or, oh. <laughs> or no? I don't think so. I don't think he's on my mailing list. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so are you so, expecting uh, any blowback or just ignoring? Like, what do you think? I, like, I saw, what are you I got the blowback. Right I got the blowback initially when the USA Today article came out mm-hmm. that I got a ton of blowback. Okay. Um, and, you know, I tried to handle it in as dignified and as non-reactively as I could. Um, and just, uh, was it direct blowback? Oh yes. Yes. It was, uh, my phone was blowing up. At least I respect Uh, direct blowback more than on Thanksgiving Eve, I think, or, you know, it was a, it was certainly a day where I wouldn't be texting someone about this. (laughs) Um, I would be attempting to enjoy the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Had things been had things been like fine before that, or yeah, and I think things are fine. I, okay. w- in other words, I, I wasn't doing this as a finger in the eye. I, even the even the um, the article, it was like maybe a little bit jesting, but you're talking about a guy who has been very liberal with who he makes fun of and whose secrets he's going to tell and what he's going to say in a public setting. And I didn't think I'd have any problem, um, with, uh, with his feelings. I thought, I thought it would be relatively chill. Yeah. Um, I mean, you'd assume assume with the presentation that feelings would be off the table a little bit. Um, Right. This is a person who, um, doesn't always think about other people's feelings when it comes to public discourse, but seldom, um, you know, what are you going to do? All of a sudden you're getting all these texts on Thanksgiving weekend and um, from a multimillionaire uh, who's had tons of success in the music industry. And, and they're, they were not, he was not psyched. Um, and that's okay. I, I, you know, we worked that out and we, we sort of agreed to disagree and agreed that I will not be issuing an apology, you know, or, or anything like that. And, and then I just went forward with this project and I haven't heard anything since. And I doubt I will. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not meant to replace anything. It's, it's, it's sort of a recontextualizing of old songs. And, and, you know, one thing I think when you play in, in punk bands is some of the, the message is lost in the, in the way it's transmitted. I was listening to the clash the other day for the first time in a while and trying to focus on the lyrics and, and thought, wow, that's a great lyric. And I didn't even realize that was the lyric. And it's because of the velocity at which they're playing and, and the snarl and all that stuff of the music. And so oftentimes, um, songs that you can be really proud of in terms of the lyric are shrouded. And, um, and so part of that was, you know, bringing some of that stuff back into the light of, mm. of old stuff that I thought was pretty good. There were instances where I was like, oh my God, I fucking hate this song. I can't believe <laughs> I I set this goal for myself. And uh I mean you know, in those just, instances, like why did why did you feel the need to like still go ahead even with the ones that like didn't necessarily like feel good for you? Well I because why why do it in, unless you're going to do it all? Right. You know, what are you going to leave four songs off? And then some, somebody that could be their favorite song. And, uh, right. and, and, and it was funny. Um, my manager was like, he, if you're going to do it, man, like you, you got to do it right. Like you got to be a gigolo here. It's like a gigolo. What are you talking <laughs> oh, about? He's like, 
He's like, if you're going to fuck, you're going to, f- you got to fuck everyone well. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> ah, oh, okay. I'll go back into the vocal booth just to get out of this conversation <laughs> and I'll re-sing that one. But, uh, but yeah, I think he, I think he made a pretty good point that if you're going to do it, do it as well as you can, do it as creatively as you can um, in, in any musical enterprise. And uh, it ended up being a fun walk down memory lane. I mean, that, he knows that, he knows a gigolo fucks for money, right? He does, and I think he was he was comparing my uh, my work there to fucking for money. Uh, so, so that felt good. Thanks, management. Um, yeah. <laughs> Always in touch. Right. Uh, no, I thought I actually thought it was a pretty clever way no, of I looking know, at it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so. That, that only happened for a couple of the songs and it was more lyrically. Like I thought everything was pretty sturdy in terms of Does melody. Does anything stand out? Like, like what's like a lyric where you read back and you're like, ah, oh God, I was young or like, well, I think that, oh, so for like, we're it's black Friday this week. Right. So we're doing some handwritten lyrics and I was like, all right, I'll go back to some of this material. And, and there's an old loved one song called drastic that I wrote out the lyrics for. And, it's just like a little protest song about like, you know, I'm trying to think of what some, what an instance would be like they've it's um, they leave us to drown here according to plan, you know, they, this, and they, that like, I'm very much like, Oh, there's this, right. Like <laughs> there's the this, ominous, like the man or like, yeah, this, the man, they, yeah, and, uh-huh. and you know, at this age, you're like, well, the, they is us. And <laughs> we're participating in this mess just as much as, like there's really no they. Yeah. And so I think it's yeah. more stuff like that where I just had a youthful perspective that's kind of outdated that I would I would sure. never write that because I just don't believe that Ugh. anymore. That's just scary. I mean, do you think like 15-year-old Dave, like give yourself just whatever, give yourself a different name. Mm-hmm. Do you think 15-year-old Dave likes you? Probably not. I mean, he didn't like anybody. Right. Um, <laughs> he was a dick. He's a dick. <laughs> and I don't fucking like him either. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, that's a great question, but I don't owe him anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Well, not to say he was right, you know, like just out of curiosity, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I you would hope that on some level, he was striving for the same things I am, which is, you know, some kind of transcendence uh, beyond what we see around us. You yeah. know, it's a mess. And and I, that 15 year old kid certainly thought that. Sure. And the 45 year old thinks that. And I think that's what we share in common. Yeah. And, at least both of you could, could look at each other and go, Hey, listen, things are fucked up. Yeah. And I think adding nuance to that and adding your own, complicity into that is helpful because yeah. y- you know you can hopefully come up with solutions to problems he, instead of just saying it's they it's they it's they it's them but he might add a few choice words for you if you said something like i'm trying to be like the shining light at the elementary school <laughs> he, well sure he probably would he probably would have an issue with some of these uh, a lot of these guitars have holes in them you know and, and he, what the fuck is that you know um what are you doing but You know, I don't know. I'm trying to make my four and a half year olds proud, not that 15 year old -old kid. And, you know, it is funny though, like how as far as you can get from that kid, 
you're still kind of that kid. I, when Rage Against the Machine reformed and was and was on tour just some a year or two ago, whatever it was, I was following those videos like like a Swifty. Yeah, I was watching like okay, they played last night in Boston or whatever, and I would be looking on Instagram for for um footage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I? I haven't even listened to this band in years. And it was one of those things that it was kind of like, this is full circle to our earlier portion of the conversation where I was like, you know what it is? They distilled that feeling that I had then and that I still have now where I'm like, I'm furious about how this is going. Yeah, yeah. Uh (laughs) And really just feel like, oh my God, you know, we've been dehumanized to such a degree that they're still so relevant yeah. and that anger and, and fury is just as um, palpable as it was when I, when I first heard them. And so, you know, as much as, as much as I don't look or sound like that 15 year old, I, uh, I still have so much of that frustration mm-hmm. with, with uh, when you look around at the messes that we're in as a species. Yeah. It's interesting. It's almost like, it seems as if the, uh the same kind of fire is pushing you. It's just, as you get older, it pushes you in different kinds of directions, but it's coming from a similar place, you know? I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, and let's face it, I, I discovered idols in the last couple of years. Oh. So, so once you see that, you're Game like, changer. all right, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, uh, my punk days are not in my rear view entirely. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to go see idols and, you know, smash, a bottle over my head at some point. I just went, dude, I just saw botch twice in a week. Oh, you did. I sure did. Wow. Felt good. Cause what do we do with that energy though now? Because we don't, we don't have the opportunity to, to sort of interface with that in our creative life. No. Like, do you just play the drums harder or what do you do with that? I do. I do think if used intelligently, there mm-hmm. are windows in Gaslight Anthem for all this stuff. Um, yeah, I do think sure. so. Like as long as it's not being overdone in a certain way. But I can't right. tell you I didn't go to a show last Saturday with Caven, Converge, and Botch and wow. walk away going, fuck, I want to be in a heavy band. Like, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I have that often. and, and But... Then I think about the physicality of it. Oh. And I think like Painted Black recently played some shows in Philly and I, I saw Yemen afterwards and we hung out. It was a beautiful uh, hang. We hadn't seen each oh, other in years. Great. And one of the things I thought, I said to him, I said, man, I watched uh, some of the footage of you guys playing the church. And I thought, boy, that looks so fucking fun. But then I realized you did two nights mm. and I cannot imagine what that second night was like. And he was like, it was like what you assume. He's like, my voice was shot. I was tired. The band, what, you, we had expended this insane amount of energy mm-hmm. on the Saturday show. And then we decided to add a Sunday show. And that is such hard energy to sustain over, yeah. you know, night after night after night. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, that's all I needed to yeah, hear. That's it. Because it looks so fun to play with that explosive potential and that explosive energy once in a while. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, but I think yeah. we tour you and I like go out and make our living this way. And I, I'm glad we don't have to exert that kind of physicality and, 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 you know, people stage diving and all this, that's, you know, 
it's dangerous. And I think <laughs> on a Monday night, it seems a little absurd. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, oh, it's Monday in Toledo. It's like, all right, everybody get the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to manufacture that. Um, you know, but I do, but I do really interface with that energy at different points. If, if I see clips of idols or rage against the machine or paint it black or whoever, like you said, botch, I'm like, Ooh, boy, yeah. does that look fun. But I think, I think the trick there is like, say if you and I were like, Hey, Benny, come out to California for a week. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to make a hardcore record or something like that. Yes. Like, sounds great. And I'm there because I can right. do that for a week and like do two songs yep. a day and have some fun. But like, mm-hmm. I would never try to do that as something super serious because like, it, you know, it, let's say like the Descendants are out there killing it still, right? Mm-hmm. They sound great when they play. But the yeah. Descendants couldn't have formed 10 years ago. They right. had to be young when they created their sound mm-hmm. and do the thing. And now, like, the thing is theirs so they can continue being old playing it. Paint it black the right. same way. Like, they can't start Paint It Black now. You know? Like, so I think well, you yeah. just have to have that expectation where it's like, you know, I watch, uh, I love Turnstile, you know? And I, mm-hmm. you know, went to some of their shows when they were first coming out on this record. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I'm watching when I'm watching the, the singer and some of these guys. I'm like, I'm like, shit, like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I want to let these beautiful youngsters do this. And I want to watch yeah. it and enjoy it. And then I want to do my thing. You know what I mean? But like, okay, but let, I, I got questions about this, if, if, if I may. Please. How, how does that look now for, for you? I mean, you guys have sort of reformed. I mean, not that you were, done but you were you were gone for a while Mm -hmm. and so you come back into this and i mean i i'm right there with you i think like you know that kind of explosive rock and roll is is born of youth and there's a reason why you know paul simon well he's a bad example but paul mccartney i guess still interfaces with that a little bit you know he's still quote unquote rocks. I guess we're talking about more of a, of a punk thing, you, yeah. know, you know, like a hardcore explosion of, of energy. That's right. Um, but even on a, on a much more mild scale, you know, coming back into gas, like what's that been like for you as, as a, as a person who's significantly old, like how long were you guys gone? Eight years or something? Six years? Yeah. I mean, without the, the runner reunion shows, you know, right? Like pretty much like nine without a record. You know, seven or eight. Yeah, I mean, sure. Do Do you feel? I mean, I'm sure it's so exciting. The energy around it, it's probably so exciting. But you guys are doing tours, like real tours, yeah. where you go out for weeks, and and so you're back into that, um, that paradigm, yes. which actually is kind of rare for lots of bands. You know, like a lot of bands have, have like the Hold Steady. They tour on the. They don't tour. They just right. like do residencies yeah, and yeah. stuff. And and so I guess from a creative standpoint, are you? Did you approach it differently, or was it kind of like, hey, no, let's get back into this comfortable pair of jeans? Like, what was your? What was it like for you? I mean, I think from it's very two parted because I think from a creative standpoint, I didn't consider any of that at all. You know, okay, like. Um, 
you know, I can get behind a kit, you know, in a, in short spurts and still do whatever I want in the studio and write when any kind of song I want to write. And so I think there, like my intention is still very much driven on like, what the fuck do I have to come up with to like make this song the raddest song it is? Mm -hmm. And I don't care. Like I'll do whatever I have to do in this short spurt to make it sound like that, you know? Um, Right. Right. So I honestly didn't even consider it. The touring aspect of it is wildly different. Yeah. For like a number of different reasons. And like, you know, the, uh, you know, the aging gracefully in a lot of ways and what kind of show you want to put on and like, you know, right. the the way I used to, you know, try to win over a crowd was like, let me lift that right hand even higher up in the air and smash <laughs> yeah. that symbol. And yes. you know, now I got a fucked up rotator cuff. Don't like doing right. that. If I do right. that, then the next two shows I suck. So mm. it's like... um so I wish someone, I mean, I never would have listened anyway, but like, I really got to treat myself as if like, it's my only context. I got to look at it like sports yes. and, and I like, right. I don't drink on tour. I barely eat anything bad. I'm on off days, do, like, you know, doing massage and, and literally yeah. resting and being like, not even going out to dinners and stuff like, no thanks. Cause you know, I know if I go out to dinner, I'll eat this and that'll lead to this. And like, I got to keep it locked down, you know? And if right. I do that stuff, I have a much easier time playing, but it's but less fun. It's changed like the social and cultural part of touring, like drastically for me, for sure. Um, and I think also being a parent, moving out of the city and just like the levels of stimulation I can handle have changed, you know, like I think I'm someone who's become more comfortable in quiet, in stillness. Right. Um, I, it used to make me uncomfortable. Now I really crave it. So I think because of that, because of that, the general nature of tour, I find a lot more like overstimulating and that can lead me on some funky, funky paths. So uh, I think I'm learning though, like, cause I'm just starting I'm like getting new rhythms and patterns that work for me that didn't previously work for me, you know? So, okay. To that, to that end though, it seems like you might be having a little less fun out there. I'd say, I'd say I'm having less fun, like 20. Well, no, I don't care when I'm sleeping, you know, like (laughs) most of the awake part of the days, you know what I mean? Like, but that's the thing. I still like, there is that aspect of tour where there's nothing in a lot of ways, like when you have a nice crew and like a lot of good people are around and you wake up in a venue and you just like have a nice conversation with a few different people and you bounce around and you're like, no, I play rock and roll. I I love it. You know, I love it. And I feel no more at home anywhere else, but there I've spent Mm -hmm. two thirds of my life mostly doing shit like that. Um, and, and there is a general like ease and comfort and, uh, yeah, you're a carny. Yeah, you're a carny I that love way. that yeah. shit. You know, and there's a lot of parts of me that like that are very, very connected to the to the road life and stuff like that. So, right. you know, it's I don't want to sit here and say it's all just like grindy ass work now. You know, it's not. I still get to play these like awesome rock and roll shows. There's just these other things that I really have to consider 
that yeah. that take a lot more discipline and take a lot more, you know, like just just focus. But whatever. It's like I'm also okay with the fact that like I'm 43 and any job that I've kept this long that is a well-paying job is going to be fucking hard sometimes. This is exactly how to think about it. It's, it, it you know, the, your 40s are a game of inches. You're just trying to maintain what you've already built <laughs> and not lose it. And so you're like, all right, well, how do I, I got this, this cool marriage, but it's going to take work to keep it. Yeah, right. And it can be frustrating because it's so rare to see like progress it's mostly all this work just to maintain. Mm. And I say that, I may, maybe I have no real perspective on this. Like we've put out, I think five or six albums in the last four years or yeah. something. Like, I mean, we actually are, Tim and I and, and Alex, like our, our manager, like our team is really productive, mm-hmm. but it just seems like all of that is a way to keep all the lights on and keep things going. It doesn't seem like a lot of those things are leading to new and wildly different experiences. Right. It's like, and so I think that's, but that's true throughout your forties. And it's so funny you brought up the job thing because I, I had one of those artist ruminations at some point a couple of years ago. And <laughs> I don't know, like maybe, you know, maybe this batch of songs isn't, you know, I was doing some of that nonsense. Um, maybe my best works behind me or whatever. And my manager, Alex was like, you know, you probably have a lot of people that don't do this anymore, right? Like that you're friends with. Right. And right. so like, does Dave Adolph go, man, I wonder if my lesson plan from 2014 was, <laughs> was that's when I was really teaching high school science yeah, the yeah. best. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I laughed and he was like, just keep working. Yeah. You have a great job that you wanted your whole life and you have it. So just keep working. Like, don't think about it from those, like be creative and and use your creative um, juices when you need to. And the rest of it is work and because you have a job. But, but, (laughs) and here's, but here's the upside to that. And it's where, you know, we can sit here and like make some contrast to the fact that we're like, oh, we're just accountants, you know, just plugging away in our calculators, but we're musicians. And every single time, you write something and create something, you have the opportunity to like learn and grow and be better and learn what not to do. And Mm -hmm. I think you can continue doing that like all the way to the end. So it's true. I mean, if you find a way to actually supplement a life that makes you happy while doing this, sure, it's work and it's keeping the lights on, but it's like, it's artistic it work. It's art. That's still, right. You've you've turned art into work, which was the goal. And even though it doesn't feel like as flighty and cool as it does in your 20s and you're not <laughs> sitting around like leafing through Bukowski and smoking cigarettes and like, you know, mulling it all, you know, like, like that's, right. you know, that's, that's okay. But it's hard to be happy when you get older, kind of acting like that and brooding. Exactly. You know? yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's true. I do it's think true. it's like, it's easy to, to pin it in that, in that way, but it's still like, if you don't wake up and realize like it's special, um, exactly. All the time, right. You know, then, then that's like, that's something you lost. And that that's why I'm like so happy yeah, to to drive to a fucking laser tag place in Whitehall two weeks ago and play a show on a floor somewhere, you know? Cause like this is still how most people have to do it. And it's fun, you know? It is fun. <laughs> oh, so many of my friends that are are not 
you know, quote unquote professionals, they do, they elect to do this. That's right. As their, as their hobby, you know, instead of playing pickleball or in, 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 in addition to, to, that's right. you know, having poker night or whatever, yeah. they're like, yeah, I got this band. And, and it's so, I love playing with them because it's a reminder of how exciting this is, how fun it is, how social it can be right. to share that creativity and be together and, that part of it is such a blessing. Yeah. And, and so it's still a my little backup bit of plan, that. bro. You know, if I have to <laughs> right. do it, I'm going to go work at Whole Foods and join a Led yep. Zeppelin cover band. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I, it's it's not going gonna, to be so bad. I think I'll be all right. I'll get a job in the cheese section, maybe, you know, I'm I'll play, I'm right play there the rover you. at night. I like this Whole Foods idea because I always think I'll just be at Home Depot, like in the plumbing section, but Whole Foods is nice. That's always where my head goes. Like, seriously, the second it all fall apart, my application is going in. I don't know why. Whole Foods. Whole Foods. When's it going to fall apart, though? <laughs> Listen, the if there's anything uh, Gaslight Anthem breaks have taught me, is that, uh, you know, nine months after a break, shit gets pretty thin, my friend. You know, like, big boys got to work. <laughs> Listen, Brad does yeah. a podcast with me. He just heard it this morning. I was like, Brad, you got to get the Patreon, bro. It's going to be a rough winter. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, hey, man, you need that second bus, though. That's you need that second bus. I'm saying. You, that's what you I'm need saying. your space. I wish I knew how to like repair a floor like you. You have you thought? I heard recently. Uh, what <laughs> band was he in? Um, it was someone from like an '80s big '80s band who was a guitar mm -hmm. player, who now is also a chef, a gourmet chef, oh, and cool. they play private events where they do some songs. Oh, wow. Then cater the event yeah. with their own cooking and doing stuff like this. And I was wondering if you could do like a... <laughs> Tile their yeah, floor? Yeah, like interior repair <laughs> and then just dust off every half yeah, right. hour and do a jam Hey, you guys two. got a punch list or anything? Yeah. Like, you know, like maybe the guy forgot to do the, the trim and, yeah. and, and there's uh -huh. a missing outlet cover. Yeah. I'll take care of all that and then I'll sing uh, right. A Time Will Tell and, and you'll give me a thousand bucks. It'll be, be like, great. They'll be like, Dave, that version was beautiful. Oh my God, it really touched my heart. That grout <laughs> looks a little uneven, though. Um, yeah. right. The reveal in the door could be a, a little better. Oh, man, I haven't picked up a dim. I mean, we rent here. Mm. And so that mentality is just so different. And I'm just like, well, I, I don't have to repair this. What's your tool? So I mean, I do you like not even have tools? No, I've got tools, but, you know, and I like to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've, I've gone and helped. There was a, a friend of mine who now doesn't, he got rid of his tools cause he's just a general contractor. He just makes money with his, his, uh, his computer, but he was still doing uh, finished carpentry and I helped him a couple times. I built a couple decks with him and, um, over the years, you know, like I'm talking, I mean, maybe three or four times I was on a job site with him, but it's been years even since that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't even really interface much with that. Mm. It's funny, but Tim owns a house in Philly and so he'll call me and I'd love to be an expert and it's like <laughs> right, right. hey, what's going on 3, here? 3000 like, miles oh. away expert. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It's very easy to be right yeah. at 3000 miles away. Um <laughs> 
but you know, I'll help him if he has like a roofer coming out of like, Hey, look out for this or look out for that. Or, but you know, I, I haven't interfaced with that much at all. I mean, I've flirted at different points with like going in on buying a house somewhere with somebody and and remodeling it and, and, and flipping it or renting it or whatever. But I just, I don't know. Yeah. it's so hard on your body. Listen, we're all not Chuck Reagan, you know? Right. Well, I don't even know how much of that Chuck's doing. I have no idea. Seemingly a lot of it. Like, cause every time I'm talking to him, he seems to be like waist high in the mud somewhere on his property. <laughs> well, he does, he does, he does those guide guiding tours, yeah. um, you know, where he brings people out to fish in the river and stuff. And, and I think that's like what, what he spends a lot of time doing. And then obviously hot water's busy and, but, um, yeah, I don't know how much carpentry he does. Uh, I think uh, probably a lot, as you say. Um, but he, I think he really loves it in a, in a way that exactly. I don't yeah, think I did. Yeah, a motivational thing. Like, I think, you know, I'm not even nearly as handy as you, but like, you know, just the simple idea that like you know how to fix stuff makes people think like you like to do it. Do we would talk about that. I'd rather, if I'm met with free time. Mm-hmm. Where there's like nothing to do. There's no instinct in me that looks around the house that goes like, oh shit, all right, what can I think to take care of and then run to the hardware store? And like, I'm like, oh, exactly. I'm like, I got three hours. I'm going to make like a nice strong coffee. I'm going to smoke a bowl and I'm going to do this entire crossword puzzle. Yeah, I'm more apt to read. I'm going to read or listen to music. You know, I'd much rather sit with a New Yorker than I would like get my tools yeah. out. And it was yeah. always, it was really always a means of improving my, either my financial situation right. or my home life cheaply. You know, it was like, well, I could pay this bozo to do it, but I'll just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot of how I learned. And, you know, it was just a, a means of feeding myself, especially when the loved ones were starting. Like I was, I mean, that was mayhem. I was running that company with my friend. That's right. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not romantic about it. It was, it was really hard. So these gigs like remodeling someone's house, we won't do that. No, I would rather uh, have a friend who can cook, uh, cook for people and I'll come play with him and we'll hang out and we'll split the money. I'd rather do that if we're doing something. You know, it's so funny how those things are so appealing to me now. Oh, um, yeah. playing in people's homes or, or weird spaces. I mean, we're going to Europe in January to play churches. For, oh, I think 60% right. of the shows are in churches. And that is just so exciting to me. That's awesome. Um, because I, I mean, again, I, I just get bored easy. Like rock clubs are fun. They're cool. I, I love doing that for a while, but I like doing non-traditional venues and, and, you know, playing, Doing strange things is always appealing to me. Got to report back after that because churches in Europe, you know, they're often old. And there's like, you know, cardinals that died in like the 1300s, like buried underneath and stuff. Like, I'm curious if you come back with any, uh, <laughs> not like not like a haunting, but, you know, some some. The tour, the tour is called Haunted Churches. Yeah. My theory on it on Are some you, level. Wait, come on. This is a missed opportunity if you don't kind of like ghost hunt on like Instagram Live <laughs> and TikTok on this tour. Seriously. Well, I don't have TikTok, but perhaps, yeah. Get your little brother. Know. He knows how to use TikTok, I'm sure. 
He's I young enough. He's, he, I don't think Who's he is. He's young any enough clue. in The Mermaid to have Kevin Conroy have TikTok. Does well, he do it's, his it's drums just Tim and Mark and I. It's uh, our keyboard player and me and Tim that are doing this. Um, I don't know, man. I, there's something about any church that's haunted because, you know, by bad ideas, I guess. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so there's that. But also, um, there's something with these. I've done one or two of these in the past, like tours where we tours or shows where we play in a church that's now a venue. Mm-hmm. And there's just some small part of me, that 15 year old that goes, yeah, we won rock and roll one. <laughs> oh, right. Cause you're there. Well, right. Like, Hey, I see religions having a hard time filling this place, but I'm not having a hard time. You know, there's, there's a little bit of me that was putting my thumb in the eye of the way I was raised where I'm like, right. yeah, maybe better, more open empathic ideas are winning. I don't know. At least in Europe. 15 you know, year old I mean, Dave would want you to like steal a crucifix or something though. Well, who, who says I have? Yeah. No, I, you know, you're right. But, but there is an element of it where I'm like, we, we win. John Lennon wins yeah, or something, you know, and, uh, and there's something about, and and it is like a weird sacred space where it just sounds awesome. You're playing in a giant violin, you know, it's like built for sound. Yeah. 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 So now, I mean, even, you know, you know, me Jew, but I even like, (laughs) I go to those like churches in Europe and I'm, I really am like overtaken by, I don't know. I do really f- the scale. I believe yeah. also. I do believe in in like remaining, like remaining energy. I really do, and like yeah. believe it or not, people have conducted the 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 biggest peaks and the biggest lows of energy in your life in that space. Mm-hmm. Right, and I do think like regardless if you believe in the the reason the space is there, um, I do believe in like the the critical amount of things that happen to people in that space like leave something. Um I think you can yeah. say that for for those old school show spaces too. Sometimes you walk totally. into those rooms and you go, oh yeah. Yeah. It's thick in, it's here. in here. It's thick. It is. You know? Yeah. The Phil the the church basement in at the oh, Unitarian yeah. Church in Philly. I was just there to play in the chapel. We played two two super tiny shows. Oh yeah, shows. I saw that. Yep. And um and just being in that building where so much has happened, mm-hmm. so much of what formed me happened in that building, uh, musically and and socially, you know, and like you know, that's where you, I first learned about vegetarianism right. and veganism and and all that stuff. A all man the punk named stuff. Red Cheeks. Yes, a man with red cheeks. Yeah. Um, saying, if you don't know this next one, yeah. go home. You know. Yeah. Anyway, um, and that, but, that's but, a literally yeah, thick you. room too when it. Uh, when it fills no. out, that is thick with human sweat. Oh That's my right. goodness! Have you Woo. the shows where it's so sweaty, like where the floor gets sweaty and people are dancing and just slipping around? The oh yeah, it's wild, baby. Yeah, the Eagles game last night was in the rain in Kansas City, oh, and, and it looked like that. I it saw the like butt thick. the butt push going well again. I'm glad you brought this up. Okay. <laughs> Now, it's not called the butt push. How the shove, the, it's the called brotherly the brotherly shove. shove. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> the butt All push, she says. Guys with Come on. dirty graying beards putting their heads into each other's assholes. I get it. No, um, <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it's such a dignified No, no, listen, you know me. Sport. I'm a sports fan. Yeah. If anybody has a play that every single other team knows is coming and you can't stop it, good for you. That's like, that's like one right? of the... 
greatest achievements in sports. Like, like it's the Mariano yeah. Rivera. It's like, you know, right. what pitch is coming. You just can't hit it. Um, you can't hit so it. I, and I feel like this guy, this kid, um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. The really tall gentleman, um, Webinyama. Is that how you say oh, it? Oh, Victor Webinyama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, he's, he's got the potential to have a similar thing where you're like, I don't know how to I don't know how to play against this yes, person. I think it's already beginning. You've seen a couple players like <laughs> right. go to do something like where he basically like just has reached over them and put the ball in the hoop where they're like, wait, what the fuck just happened? You know, kind of right. like looking it's up like the shack thing yeah. where you're like, yeah. Oh, there's now a linebacker That's right. on the court. It changes everything. I love that about the brotherly shove and anybody who's, Ooh, this should be out. Like, give me no, a break. I don't think like, so. I don't, I mean, as much as it pains me to watch, the Eagles do something unstoppable over and over again. You you gotta <laughs> you gotta respect it. But here's why I bring this up. Okay, you know, Shoot. you know, geographically, I've moved closer to Philadelphia territory than than I would have liked. You mean in the giant suburb you call home? You're now closer to being a suburb of the other town. You know, mileage uh, wise, south. mileage wise, I'm I'm still uh, just as close to New York City. But mm-hmm. some, I'd reached some sort of cultural dividing line. I didn't realize mm-hmm. I'd reached. Yes, where where <laughs> somewhere around South Brunswick, New Jersey, everyone turns <laughs> into a fucking Philadelphia fan. Um, oh, this is good. I I'll tell you, I didn't know. Uh, this, just okay. <laughs> before you continue, hold on. I'm just gonna say, it's a testament to how much Tim loves you. Yeah, because you can draw his ire like few other. When you talk shit about Philadelphia, <laughs> it drives him crazy. He'll go like, did you see what Benny tweeted uh, and, or said? And I'm like, no, I didn't see it. What did he say? And it's some shit you were talking about Philadelphia. Yeah. Listen, And I'm like, this is why he does this to draw people like your ire. No, it's because your brother respects me and he knows, uh, it, it he is, knows it if is, I'm it. saying it, I should probably take it seriously. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Uh, so it makes him fearful that I'm right. Yeah, That's what uh-huh. happens. But uh-huh. all right. So this is, this is my question. Okay. And this is, I'm actually saying this earnestly and not okay. as like a biting uh, New York fan. Like, well, okay. like Ian Perkins, Sir Ian Perkins, he mm-hmm. has a, a term called full kit wankers. Who, okay. who are the people who wear, you know, the yeah. entire football outfit to like go to lunch. Right, you right, know, right. They got the, the socks, the shorts, the, the jerseys, you know, the, they're doing the yes. whole thing. Now, Giants fans, people where I come from, you know, they rock a hat. They rock mm-hmm. a jacket. They do something and it's like, yeah, this is how I'm repping for my team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking whole families Wednesday morning, not even a game day, mm-hmm. at the diner in hats, socks, sweatpants, <laughs> hoodies, total full kit wankers on a weekday in the off season. Uh-huh. Like, and and there is like, of course, there's a part of me that's like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And then there's also a part of me that's like, I mean, they're fucking diehard fans. So Take me, take me behind like growing up in Philly. Like how intrinsic is this like Philadelphia sports love? Cause even people who come out of Philly who are punk rockers, who are all these sorts of things who aren't even supposed to care about sports yeah, right. are fucking climbing up greasy poles. So 
Like, what is it? Well, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. The first thing I'll say is if you're a New York fan, it, your proximity, you're likely close to New York City where so much is going on culturally mm. and so much has come out of there. And I would dare say, despite it's being a giant suburb, New Jersey has a lot of exports culturally as well. So there's lots of things to hang your hat on. Philadelphia, traditionally, whether it's, I mean, there's just not a lot of cultural exports over the years. There are more now, mm -hmm. but when I was growing up, I mean, what did we have in punk rock? Like until Kid Dynamite, you know, there there were the Dead Milkman, there were things, right? But Iconoclast. Pound for, well, yeah, pound <laughs> no, for pound, yeah, pound right, for pound right. for, for a city of millions. Yeah, I mean, that had a lot of great contributions to like, you know, what, soul and funk, Back yeah, in but 50s those were 60s, some hip hop. But those but, don't yeah. get talked about that yeah, much, no, you not, know. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know the Gamble and Huff stuff is awesome, but it's kind of like disco, you know, yeah. it, or at least it sort of gets Hall relegated and Oates to that. Went mainstream, right? There's just not a lot that we can hang our hats on. Sure. So I think there, there's that. Whereas as a New Yorker, you've got the Ramones as a Jersey person. You've got the Misfits or the or Bruce Springsteen or whatever. Take and your pick. <laughs> take your pick. From basically from Trenton all the way up to God knows where in New York State, you can you can claim all kinds of cool stuff mm. to, for your identity. Um, you also have the Yankees. I mean, for God's sake, um, they're pretty good. So. I think there's there's that. I think there's a socioeconomic component to it. I see. I will point out though, as a, as a Ben, as a man who no doubt relies on merchandising as a big part of your income. Sure do. Wouldn't you love for any of those Philadelphia fans to have a gaslight sock, sweatpants, t-shirt, well, and hat on? A whole here's family. Where I'm of them? troubled by it is like, <laughs> is that. You know, and I think I've been troubled by this, you know, I'd been a season ticket holder for the last 10 years. And I think I got to see mm -hmm. under the belly of the beast in a way that I hadn't prior. Right. Right. Sure. Now, the difference between someone buying a shirt from Gaslight Anthem is they're paying someone who is like paying the people who work for us, which right. is going into the pocket of the person who plays in the band. Almost the most That's direct right. way you can help a person in a band. Right. Yeah. This table of full kit wankers, the whole family, <laughs> like they basically took an extra thousand dollars of their hard earned family's money and just wrote like another check to Verizon or another check sure. to PSE&G. You know what I mean? They're not. E e right. Like when was the last time Jeffrey Lurie? That's it paid taxes in the city of Philadelphia. But then you're getting, you see, we're getting into stuff that most people don't care about and don't, they just, you know, the whole, like, we're rooting for laundry uh, <laughs> thing. That's true throughout sports, though. Of course. And so, I mean, look, I've struggled with this most of my adult life. I've, I've been in and out of sports fandom. Um, <laughs> a couple years into living here, um, I became friends with like a diehard Philadelphia fan. That's an expat. He's from, he's from South Jersey. And this guy is one of these scream at the TV. Um, even when they're winning by 30, right, 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 right. kind of guys, my buddy, Bob full investment. And, oh my God. Over investment. Full wanker Everybody, when, when he watches it or I don't wouldn't, he's not a wanker because 
but look, he looks cool. He doesn't have everything on, but he's, you think he's on the coaching staff. Right, 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 right. Um, why don't you do this? And, you know, he forgets that they're playing an equally yoked uh, team. Like, I'm like, they're playing a professional team, you know? Like, we can't just win. And they're also playing sports. <laughs> yeah, bro, I know, I know. But anyway, <laughs> he invited me down to this thing in Santa Barbara where it's called Eagle's Nest West, oh. right? And it's and they do, they a bunch of Philly expats meet and watch the game and everybody's dressed in the green and screaming at the TV set. I mean, other Californians come into the room to watch and poke their head in as if we're a zoo exhibit. Right, right. Because they never see people do this yes. and act in this fashion. And I, I go from time to time when I need a dose of Philadelphia energy, but I don't last long. I typically don't get to the end of the game before I'm like, I got to get out of here. Is that right? Just too much. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. It's too, it gets negative. And, you know, we've been winning for years, more or less winning for years. Right. So it's like, what's there really to complain about? But there's that, that deep seated, um, East Coast negative thing that that kind of comes out when we're all together, mm. and so you know I hesitate to bring my boys into it for very long because I think you know there's some weird machismo stuff that happens. Like I bring them; it's not that big of a deal, but I I um I don't stay long, and and I kind of go like, whoa, this as soon as like the booze hits a certain level, I'm like, man, everybody's kind of regressing here right, to their old right, Philadelphian right, right, selves, right, right. so. I always struggle with it. And I think, um, you know, Tim has taught me a lot about how, and, and, you know, Tim's more like you. He's, he's a student of the sport and yeah, he's invested. He wants the Eagles, Sixers, Phillies and Flyers and, you know, union or whatever to win. But he also just loves to watch the game get played and the strategy that goes into it. He loves, you know, you and I have, have at different points when I've been really into the NBA, I've talked about all the, contextual stuff like the societal stuff like mm-hmm. oh this is interesting because you know there's this whole you know subtext of, of what this player is doing for the league and so on all that stuff is really fascinating um and i so i try to think about sports more like that the way you or tim or my brother-in-law ethan he does this too where he's like he'll watch any game and see something interesting about it and and not just scream at the tv set yeah. I mean, um, as an adult, I, I mean, I think that's the biggest <laughs> lesson I, I took from a lot of this is like, there's a lot of things that, uh, I think when you get older, right, you see how little your time starts to get shaved around, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you lose a little bit of fire and like, you know, but certain things require emotional investment and full emotional <laughs> right, investment, right? right. <laughs> so the idea of like taking that energy and putting it towards something like that now is starting to feel sillier and sillier, especially when like, you know, in the end, it's a, it's an entertainment product. That's right. You know what I mean? And I do think there's it's very fair if a team consistently is putting out a product that's not entertaining, mm-hmm. your loyalty to the company shouldn't force you to watch that product. Go watch a better yeah. product until like that product is good again. Like, but they use that kind of like, don't you love Philadelphia? Don't you love the <laughs> Liberty Bell? 
if you did, <laughs> you know, like you would buy this other jersey, you know, like so I do think they yeah. use that uh, against people a little, and it's seemingly very effective in Philadelphia. It's it's so weird because I'm as or I have been as fanatical about music as people as most people are about sports. So I always find it peculiar when that amount of excitement and energy gets generated around a sport you're not personally playing. Right. Whereas your emotional investment in a song or something, like obviously you didn't write the song if you're in the in, in the audience, but you're invited in in a way that's like, hey, this is something, this is a transmission where we connect. Mm. And athletes couldn't give a fuck. Like they're pitching and they could just walk into the dugout and not even wave to the crowd. And still the adulation is there and stuff. So I always found that peculiar. But again, you and I are two guys for most of our life who look around and go, really? Is this really what we're doing as a species? Is this really how we're going to spend our time or, or our money or our... You know, and I think sports brings that up for me often, despite my love for it. And and uh, and also, it's really easy to be a, a Philadelphia fan from California. Right. It's harder to interface with a lot of people who are screaming at TV sets and you know get violent or whatever when you live there because you're like you start to feel ashamed you're like oh man are you guys really gonna act like this whereas from here I don't see it I'm just like yeah we won and I can text 19 different people right, and we right. can rejoice and high five the next time I'm in Philly but you know when you're there the white, like I the remember white poles are safe oh dude when I worked commercial construction where you know you've got a lot of 13th graders work in and around you and, and that's their whole life. It can be really disconcerting to be like, wait, are we the same? Cause we like the same <laughs> team. Cause you're like a racist person yes, and you're this yes, and you know, you're like, yes, what yes, the yes, fuck? Yes, I can't yes. be with you. No. But I, you know, in some ways now I look at that as like, well, it's another means of connection in a, in a broken it's world. True. Like, hey, if we can all get together and root for this, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there's, there's some, if you got the heart for it, there's some upside for it, you know, like, like yeah. if you have the heart for the conversation, I, I think that's where right. another thing, I think when you get to a certain, you know, age where it's like, no, 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 I don't want to have that conversation anymore. Um, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, like I, I think we should be clapping when the trash gets collected yeah, because great. as a society, we've figured out how to, you know, get that. I'm like, yes, we should be rooting for this guy yeah. or the teachers that teach our children. Uh -huh. Not necessarily this amount of fervor for that activity, yeah. but uh, hey, what it is, what it is. This is the world we live That's in, right. and we're about to pay. I'm apt uh, to participate. About to pay Shohei Otani half a billion dollars to, to play <laughs> baseball. So, let's I think he should get that though. I'm always for the talent getting paid. Oh, sure. Well, right? I mean, that's the thing, you know. Oh, kids home. Yeah, Harrison and Smith are out. They woke up late, and and they're trying to get into. Hey, the boys, garage if you can hear me, remember, <laughs> kick the shit out of someone for your brother, okay? <laughs> If you're ever in that spot, don't take shit from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> says <That's right>. dad. <laughs> dad. <laughs> exactly. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Oh, Brad. <laughs> you didn't say a word. You know, I. <laughs> You, you know, guys are like, you know, Neil. You guys are like, you know, did you long see lost Neil brothers talk shit about this? <laughs> One of Neil's what? comments on last episode was, "Look, this episode is proof in the pudding that these episodes are better when Brad talks." I don't know if that's an insult to me, but wait, would I? Did I talk a lot in the last episode? Not a lot, but a lot more than this oh, one. I, um, oh, but you two are like, I mean. You're like soulmates. Yeah, but you should know we feed off we feed off other people. So if you were to say some things, then we could start ribbing <laughs> on you and stuff. You know, would have made it. I tried. Meatier, I, you know? I tried to interject a few times. All but right. Is he right? Tough. Should we start? Uh, are we blowing it without the video component? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he spent a it's lot a- of that interview like kind of talking shit about that. You know. <laughs> I think that um I think what video is good for I mean like you said it's like you guys talk on the phone this is like a phone call you know like we started going off track as like a bunch of guys sitting around in their you know their living room having a chat now it's more like a couple guys on the phone Well of. but I mean I see it where like you know even back in the day when I you know, I still had to come into the city to do going off track. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. wearing fucking sweatpants on the train and like, you know, <laughs> right. put yourself together like a little bit, you know, going into the city, <laughs> going into the, the rubber track studio. Who knows who I'll run into there? You know, like I literally could do this like those dads I used to see growing up just in fucking briefs. Yeah, you know, just with their rolls hanging around just on you, Sunday, you, like I don't. You could do that shit. on video. You could do that on video. Oh, you just need to put stop. on one of those tuxedo t-shirts. I do love those. Um, <laughs> the goops are back. So does that mean, like, can you uh, whip out some of the old clothes? Anything good that has made it through the years has probably been absconded by my fifteen-year-old daughter. Just gone through all my clothes. Oh, that's good. How's that going, by the way? 15-year-old daughter? No, the goops. Oh, it's fine. I mean, yeah, I guess I didn't really hype it. We released a single that um, was a kind of... I wrote it years ago when we were supposed to be writing our third album, which never happened because we broke up. Right. And then a few right at the end of Rubber Tracks before they closed, I got together with the drummer to do some solo material and had this one song that I'd always like just kind of in the back of my head. So we recorded it 
not knowing what I was going to do with it, thinking maybe I would, I mean, I did sing it. I had the, the first version was me singing it, but then I was going to LA. So I asked Eleanor, the singer from the Goops, if she wanted to sing on it. And yeah, next thing you know, we had a, had a Goops song. It's awesome. Fucking 25 years after the band broke up. Yeah. Have you had any like, like have some of the old fans coming out of the woodwork? Like, yeah, I mean, our Facebook fans are into it. I I didn't, I completely like, I was going to actually do some, you know, PR on it. Yeah. You know, there's still like probably some. Shocking you didn't promote it at all. Based on your going off track uh, historical <laughs> I precedents, did. I thought you would, <laughs> you would have a, an amazing social media rollout. I, had, I, I did. I mean, I had it ready. I had everything ready in time. The track yeah, was uploaded yeah, like yeah. three months in advance and I had a list of like publications and then. I just got so slammed. Like, what, the, what is it? It's like whenever, two weeks or four weeks out when you're supposed to do all that shit. I was in the middle of some fucking nonsense, and I was like, who cares anyway? <laughs> What's it all mean? Whatever. But anyway, yeah. I, it sounds great. I mean, people have gave me great props. I'm very proud of the track. And, it's uh, awesome. So go check it out. Congratulations. It's nice to see you, see you back out there again. I hope, what do you Thank think? You. Is there going to be any more? No. No, that's it. That was a quick no. I don't know. I just had a call for a, a reunion show from somebody here in New York, and I probably shouldn't have said that because I didn't tell the band. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Are any goops listening to listening to Going Off Track this deep in the episodes? Wait, I don't even know. They might be. Okay. Jeff might be. Well, hello. Never met you. We can still talk. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't important enough. We could. It wasn't do something. worth it. It was like CBs or somebody was doing a reunion thing or something that just felt um, more like us. I, I hear you. Okay. Well, I'll go see your gig if you have one. Okay. Well, thank you. Let me know. Thank you. <laughs> I will. <laughs> well, everyone, check out Dave's. New stuff as usual, old stuff, all the stuff. What's his socials? Is it just uh, Instagram is Dave House, D A V E H A U S E, and you can flip that for X if you're on X. It's House Dave. <laughs> and Facebook for any of you still on Facebook, it's Dave House Music. Although yeah. I guess there's probably more people on Facebook now than like Twitter, right? Oh, don't ask me. Kind of like people I'm kind of bailing thing. on Twitter. I think you're even calling it wrong. So that goes to show X. you we're probably not on it. X. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Are you going to take the dark triad quiz? Because uh, I'm uh, curious. I think you might rate high in the psychopathy. <laughs> Send me a link. I'll take based it. On, based take on it. your history. All right. We'll talk about it in the intro of the next episode. I'll send it to okay. you and we'll talk about it. We'll compare okay. results. Maybe I'll take it again. Um, if you uh, like this podcast, yes. you can find us at Going Off Track wherever you'd like. Mm. If you want to support us, Patreon slash Going Off Track. We're going to, there may, actually, I think I can say with confidence that there will be an excerpt from this on our Patreon. Yeah, it's going to be a busy couple months on Patreon because... I'm home and we're motivated. We got lots of stuff going on. Yeah, maybe we'll do, Good time to sign up, you know. Maybe maybe we'll do that bonus podcast where we talk 
talk about the goops. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, you want to get we'll one see. of the one of the goops on? We'll do a bunch. Oh, we should get Jeff on. He would have. He has so many insane stories. Let's do it. That would right. be a great bonus. Let's do it. All right. All right. All right. We're doing it. So happy Thanksgiving. You too. Love you, Benny. Love you too. Best to the family. Safe travels. Same to you, buddy. All right. Peace out.